back to Cover Stories. Uh, today we have Deborah Elena. How's it going? Great. I'm doing great. Hi. Hi. Um, thanks for coming on. This is going to be great. Um, she will be covering To Zion by Miss Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. Jumping right into it. Why this song? Why this song? Well, one, I, I couldn't think of a better artist to cover than one that I feel like I listened to so much as a kid or a teenager, I guess. Um, then Lauren Hill and that particular miseducation of Lauren Hill album was like the just there's a lot of it I was really really on repeat always for me so I love that album um, and then when I thought of what can I cover that kind of um, felt a little bit more like my life and like my story now, I didn't have a baby uh, <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> but just the idea of kind of going after um, what you think is the best decision for you and making a, taking a leap of faith and doing it even though everybody sell, tells you not to um, really rings true to me. So I thought it was a good song to cover for this. I love that aspect of the song. Um, I think that uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording today. I, there's just something about Lauren Hill. Like she just feels like a cool older sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, in college, I got in an argument with a friend. I wouldn't say an argument. It was a debate because Mary J. Blige was, she had a big year at the Grammys and, mm. I was like, you know, I, like Mary J. Blige is amazing, but I've always, like, I've always, ad- 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 like, felt more, cl- like, I felt closer to Lauren Hill. And he thought that I was, like, speaking blasphemy. He's like, Lauren Hill's great, but, like, <laughs> Mary J. Blige is queen, you know? And- I, mm, I won't, I'm not, I loved Mary J. Blige when I was, like, little, little. Um, and I, but I never bought an album. I never spent as much time, I feel, with Mary J. as I did with Lauren Hill. Like, Lauren Hill and Jill Scott and Erica Badu were, like, my... That was like the pinnacle for me. So Mary J. Blige is dope, but I just Shane Lauren. She feels she feels <laughs> so like untouchable. She's like an she's like an aunt, and like Lauren Hill is like the cool sister. You yeah. know, like it just feels like like you, obviously you you have reverence for her and and yeah. you know you respect her, but like Lauren Hill's someone I want to hang out with. Yeah, <laughs> Lauren Hill's someone. Well, I don't know. I feel <laughs> I think maybe back in her heyday I want to hang yeah. out. Now I'm like I want to just have conversations, like see where she's at. I would love to like pick her brain now. Oh yeah, because I feel like she's gone through um, kind of a big, you know, being a huge celebrity to kind of falling off the map to kind of coming back and being a little out there, if you will. So I would love to hear her just where she's at now and kind of what she's gleaned from just life in in the spotlight and then outside of it you know yeah yeah i think um she uh, when was what was your first exposure to her do you remember sister act two. Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> sister act two that and that movie okay i have a sister my sister carmen who's my best friend sister um i love her i love all my sisters but we used to watch sister act two on repeat like over and over and over again, we'd rewind the, the like, oh, happy day scene and the joyful, joyful. Yeah. Watch that just that two or three times and watch the whole movie and then watch those scenes. So I knew who Lauren Hill was and thought she was amazing. When the Fugees came out, like in, what, 95, 96 or whatever, um, I was like, hey, that's the girl from, like, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know that she was something before or whatever. I just knew, oh, that's the girl that was on Sister Act too, So we were always like kind of fans of her because we knew she could sing. Um, I didn't know she could rap. I didn't know she had that ability. So, you know, watching them was like, okay, well, they're dope. I wish I was, I wish I was like that. I always thought she was pretty. Um, whenever the Miseducation album came out, my sister had it. And so I wasn't allowed to touch it because she's a <laughs> jerk. And then, I love her so much. She's a jerk. Um, <laughs> she wouldn't let me touch it. And then she moved and she forgot it. 
<laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so then I had it and I would just, ha- and that's where I was like, okay, this is something I want to like, I want to do this sort of thing. Like I respect just putting all these thoughts on paper and, and this music is dope. And it, it, almost every song caught me to my feel. So it was great. Yeah. I think she's so good at like, she really like adapts each of her songs because mm-hmm. there's times where she comes, she comes hard. And I was reading about like she, when she uh, met Praz mm-hmm. in, in high school and Wycliffe John's his cousin and, you know, they were starting this, this group together and she was just a singer mm-hmm. and she wanted, you know, to kind of adapt rap. And instead of like the big ones at the time were like La- La- Queen Latifah and like MC light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she, she wanted to kind of avoid that. She went toward, went towards ice cube mm-hmm. and you hear that so much in her, like the way she's like, aggressive yeah. but still feminine not that she needs to be feminine but yeah. like it's just like, a, like she has this balance and it just sounds so cool and like so authentic and, and genuine yeah i had no idea that she didn't that she went towards ice cube that's dope in and of itself <laughs> i just thought she was just because i think there's a there's a style there's a there's she's one of the reasons why i won't do why i won't ever rap why i won't do hip-hop um because i feel like there's a certain swag and a certain like you have to kind of lean into into just that whole demeanor that she has. And I'm not going to pretend like I have it. I'm a military kid. I'm just, you know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just out here, but I don't have that. There's a grittiness that is there, but then disappears and it's refined. It's a refined grittiness is what she has. And I respect it so much. And I think, well, I'm not going, I'm going to stay in my lane, but I can watch you and, and try and emulate the things that, that I can do of yours, but I would never step on that because it's just, I think she's amazing. Yeah, I think it's just a testament to how like studious she is. Like she studied mm-hmm. Ice Cube, and she really captures that, and it just sounds so genuine. And you hear her, and you're like, you think she's been rapping her whole life. Yeah, which is crazy. That she, and then fast forward to her Unplugged album, where she's like, oh yeah, now I play guitar. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. I've been trying for I don't know like ten years, and I still suck. Like the <laughs> the original song that I'll do for this uh, podcast, I wrote it, and I was a- I'm able to make a little demo of it you know to give to my producer and to give to adrian to be able to practice but to actually play it myself (laughs) you don't you don't want that live you don't want that it's not cute (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you i mean one way or the other i mean you you do what you're great at yeah your your voice is great thank you you have you remind me so i mean i can hear to lauren hill i can hear erica buddy i'm so Mm -hmm. glad you said that Mm -hmm. but i also hear a little bit of like this 90s like contemporary uh, like like Lilith Fair type music, one thousand. You know? oh, okay, awesome. Percent. <laughs> I want you to know, like, okay, so there's those are like my R and B influences, like Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Lauren Hill, sure, but Fiona Apple oh, and me were like this, <laughs> and then like you know, all through the nineties, like Sixpence None the Richer. That <sighs> there's a whole thing. Like I like I was, you know, people say they're nineties kids. They mean that they were born in the nineties. <laughs> I was legitimately like my childhood was the nineties. So. Like when Clueless came out, I was like, oh, my God, I want to be them, you know. (laughs) So all of the music that kind of fits into that round jewel, um, that song was when I was I actually wrote the song that I'm going to do this cover, um, trying to learn how to play. um, Shoot. Who will save your soul? No, no. But that same (laughs) album (laughs) Um, meant for me that one. There's the first chord, I think it starts off with the same chord. And I was like, oh, that's a cool chord. What can I do with it? And then I started working on my own song. And so she's a big influence, even though I wasn't like a huge fan of Jewel. Just that whole 90s alternative style, yeah. if you will. I love Alanis Morissette. I, all that stuff is in me, and I don't have a problem expressing it. I used to have a problem expressing it, but I think now 
as a grown, grown old lady that I feel like <laughs> it's time to just do the things that I love the most. And all of that is part of it. I think it's, I mean, a lot of it too is, just, I mean, in 2020, there's not really genre anymore. No, there Everything isn't. is just blended together. And you hear someone like, like Billie Eilish, who mm-hmm. has, you know, she had, she reminds me a lot of Fiona Apple, but yeah. she's also got a lot of hip hop influence. You can yeah. hear that in her music. And I think that's, I, lo- I love that because I feel like one of the things that has been hard for me is to try and nail down what my genre is. I come from a, a Christian background. And so most folks, when they see me, big black girl, they assume, okay, well, you're going to sing gospel. Well. Uh, I love gospel music, but my voice, I just don't, I, I can't do what they do. There's an amazing abilities that I just don't have. And on the other hand, because, because I say I'm trying to do inspirational music, they assume it's going to be like, you know, pick your favorite Christian artist, if uh. you, you know, and I'm not really like them either. Cause my stuff is somewhere in the middle. It's kind of artsy. It's kind of whatever. And so, you know, I have friends who are like, you need to have a genre that people, when they hear of you, they know, when they hear your name, they know what they're expecting. I'm like, well, what if they don't? What if what you get is not at all what you were expecting when you hear me? You know what I mean? And that's what I kind of like. Um, what I'm leaning more into, especially in the new EP I'm working on, is just this is the stuff that I like. It's the sounds I like to hear, and I'm putting them on on a record. I hope you like it too. And if you don't, well, then don't listen to it. It's fine. It's like, you know, whatever. So, Yeah, I think it's, I mean, you can hear all your influence, but you still sound like you. Mm-hmm. You, do, you don't sound like you're trying to imitate anybody. No. And I, I really, like, appreciate it. Just from, like, a from a sonic sense, you know. You do remind me a little bit of like a Sophie B. Hawkins. I don't know who that is. Uh, she had, uh, I'm not going to sing it. Oh, <laughs> I'm no, jam- come uh, through, uh, sing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't even remember the names of the songs, but there's this is like mid 90s kind of. Okay. Uh, um, but her, her voice is very like, it, it feels very like floaty, oh, okay. very wispy. And I hear that a little bit in your voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's cool. I, I just love hearing just different influences come together mm-hmm. and, and it still work, you know, mm-hmm. it still sounds like something that is is uh, original but familiar because it's a life I think it's I think with anybody I, I would hope that especially if you're an artist you just take whatever things have happened in your life all the sounds all the emotions whatever and you put them into who you are and what you create and so hopefully the artists that I loved growing up are all kind of reflected in the music that I make even if they're not when I'm not imitating anyone or they're not 100 percent it's not 100 percent hip-hop it's not 100 percent R&B it's not 100 percent um, you know, dashboard confessional, which <laughs> don't get me started, but all of that I hope is in there somewhere because it's what I love. Let's get started in dashboard a bit. Now <laughs> I think we talk about emo a lot in this show. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll come Were back you a to fan? it. I was a fan. I was. Down. I love. I still. And it's one of those things. It's a lot like you mentioned Clueless earlier. As mm-hmm. a kid, I would, I watched Clueless, and I remember just being fascinated. I think the, maybe the colors and just yeah. like. I, I thought I thought uh, Breck and Meyer was so cool. I thought Donald Faison was so cool. I, like everyone in there was just so cool. And the whole thing was like, oh, I wish high school was like yeah. that. <laughs> like that's and not not one person's high school was like that. But I thought it was the most amazing. Um, it started my love for Paul Rudd. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that has never ended. And it's just a cool. It's just a cool movie. And it's it's one of those things that's kind of to me. It's like it encapsulates what we thought the '90s was, even though there was so much more going on. Yeah around it what we hoped and what we kind of put to the future is yeah clueless this is what we were we weren't that but <laughs> <laughs> believe that i think as a little boy i would say that i didn't like it you mm-hmm. know because I, I didn't you know i didn't want to look girly mm-hmm. and i feel the same way about like dashboard <laughs> confessional oh. as in high school like years later i'm like oh i mean i really enjoyed it but i'm oh i don't want people to know i like this like sensitive See? music <laughs> and all those things were brought to me by girls i remember senior year a girl was like here listen to this and i was and it like took over my whole summer it was like all their unplugged, I think it was the unplugged they did. Oh, and yeah. I had like the yeah. recording of it and I was like, just <laughs> in, 
Hands down. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I, I feel like not just him, but there's a lot of like artists from that era who have these influence you don't expect. And when you listen to them talk about it, mm-hmm. you like you hear 60s girl groups. You yeah. hear like a little bit of, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them love Lauren Hill. Yeah. Um, the the basis to Taking Back Sunday, the the one that replaced the, the first time they broke up, Matt <laughs> Rubano, he played bass with Lauren Hill. That's crazy. I, I don't know if he was on Miss Education or if he was on the Unplugged album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just love hearing that, like, you know, that, that synergy of just different musicians coming together. Because and, music is music. And yeah. I think once, especially if it's good, and I don't think it matters what the style is and who the people are. I think if it sounds good, then most musicians will just jump in and lean into it. Yeah, definitely. I, I do. I did a lot of research just on Two Zion alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this really great podcast I was talking about earlier called Dissect. And they literally, every episode a different song. They mm-hmm. just go into it. And, and you have your master's in music. I do. Uh, is music, music, and worship. music and worship. Okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, you, you probably know more about this than, than I can ever know. Sure. <laughs> but we'll uh, the way they talk about the, there's like, um, I think, I can't remember what it's called, but um, there's a, a, a technique where the music imitates the lyrics. And okay. like, it, it basically kind of, you hear it a lot with like call and response, you know, <laughs> but with this one, like, there is a transition between two different chords. I can't remember what chords they were, but it doesn't really decide which key it's in until the end. And it creates this struggle, which is exactly mimicking the struggle that she's going through and making her decision. Uh, Check it out. It's such a good podcast. Uh, I didn't know. I know it was funny is when we were um, working on this, Adrian was like, I'm not sure what key it's. And I was like, I think it's an F. And he was like, I think it's an E. (laughs) But I think maybe there's some of that struggle there where we're fighting over the chord. And I think some of that tension is there. And he couldn't we couldn't decide. We decided on it. And it's totally on purpose. That's what's (laughs) so beautiful about this. And it's just uh, there's so much thought put into this album. It just feels like. I, when when I think about the fact that she has this in the Unplugged album, like, mm-hmm. who cares? That's all she needs. Yeah. I mean, she's already on this level. That's all she needs. The song X Factor is all she needs. I, I wanted to do X Factor for this podcast, but I did not believe in my skills. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't willing to, um, to mar it. <laughs> so I decided I'd just leave it and let better people do it. But... Um, no, that song alone, I feel like she doesn't have to do anything else if she wants to, because there's just amazing art in this album alone. Well, if you ever want to do it, I, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> take, you take a stab at it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love Doo Wop. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, the intro, the horn intro. I, I got really into the roots in high school. Okay. And they, they kind of, especially in the 90s, they kind of bordered on that neo, neo soul kind of sound. Yes. And that's, I mean, doo is, and I think a lot of it too, I just think of the music video and like, she just looks so pretty. Yeah, she did. That was one of the first songs, that one and another one by In Vogue, that I really started to try and figure out harmony. Because I, you know, growing up with my sisters and growing up in the church, we always had choirs and things like that. So we did that sort of thing. But trying to figure out the harmony for myself um, was there was a song by In Vogue called Don't Let Go. And then this one, do off that thing where I was like, what else could you sing? And just so for me, one of the reasons why Lauren Hill has always been a pivotal artist, because she just started to open up my eyes to what more I could do vocally with music. Like, how could I do something different and make it still beautiful? And how can I add harmony? How can I add to the melody? I never would have. I hadn't ever thought about it really before until that song and then the other one. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I just think that she she's a type of person. She's almost like a director mm-hmm. with her music. I mean, she surrounded herself by by. I mean, she obviously got like you know with the Fuji. She was already well known, and she really surrounded herself with some really great musicians. And she was able to paint out the, the guy that did the sample for this for Two Zion. His name's actually Che Guevara. Mm. 
and uh, he uh, he co-produced it. And he he was telling a story about how he was recording in a, a studio with no AC, and it was in New York in like the summer. And so he would only be able to do work 15 minutes at a time. He did like hit an hour in there. So 15 minutes, take a break, 15 minutes, take a break. So he was kind of worried when he showed her and she started crying when she, this is when, before they recorded, she was maybe like eight or nine months close to being done being pregnant. Okay. And so he was like, oh no, like she hates it. And she's like, no, like I, I wanted to put a song. I want to dedicate a song to my future mm-hmm. son, Zion. And I knew when I heard it, that that was the one. That's why she started crying. Yeah. And it's just so hearing how this record was put together it's it's just i mean they need to make it if they haven't already needing to make documentary about they it they should i wonder if they filmed some of that and just going through i mean i think d'angelo played a few um tracks on this song i think he might have produced one these did some of the it's just like a 90s r&b soul like hall of fame mm-hmm. just all in this album and yeah it just and it shows mary j is on this album oh yeah yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> i used to love him I don't. man and i Sorry, I just tangent. I was thinking no. about why was I excited? I was thinking about D'Angelo. Sorry, we can continue. <laughs> he just, I loved him too. That, his album was dope, the one from the 90s. I didn't listen to him after. Untitled. See, well, well. I didn't mean to strike it cool. <laughs> I remember oh. what, uh, like, just hearing that song as a kid and. I, I I remember just that was just like the perfect song to fall asleep to. It, mm-hmm. it felt like like it felt like an angel was singing the untitled song. Yeah. Oh goodness! I, I didn't I didn't pay attention to the lyrics. Oh, you, well, I don't know the lyrics at all. I didn't know the video. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a fall asleep sort of song. Because we like me and my buddy, we would talk about it, and she was like, "That video, that song, I call it." Pan down. <laughs> That's what she called it. And I, so I, but I knew D'Angelo like back when he did like Brown Sugar oh, yeah. and um, Cruising and Lady. Like, that's what I knew. wear hoodies. You couldn't see what he looked yes. like. But, and he was just like a cool, like, really hood dude who played keys. And that was just like, what? Black men can play piano and, and be like, not be at the church. Like, that was a whole different vibe for me. So I thought D'Angelo was just. He was very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that term I was talking about is called text painting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And uh, the two key signatures are, uh, it's between E major and C sharp minor. Oh, okay. Fair. And C sharp minor is a little bit darker. E mm-hmm, major is mm-hmm. a little bit brighter. And it ends with E major because mm-hmm. that's her making. C sharp minor? That's what, that's what dissects. Sure, sure. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, but it ends, it ends this struggle with E major because mm-hmm. it's the brighter and it's to show that she made the right decision Yay. for her. Yeah. I think that's one thing that's really important is that like with, with with all of this, she's just so she's telling you through her process and everything and everything about this song and, and the entire album is just it feels so personal mm-hmm. and it, at the same time it could be interpreted so many different ways and I feel like art that does that is is some of the best art. Yeah, I can agree with that wholeheartedly and I feel like like I know they talk about how like the song I think it's the song right before or is it after no it's right before it's X Factor. And they talk about how that was kind of her whole little back and forth love thing. Um, wasn't it with Pros? I believe so. If not, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but so that whole that whole idea, I think it speaks so deeply and it and it's because it was so real and so honest, I think most anybody who's heard it has been like, Ugh. it's like um what's the song? Um by Adele, the someone like you, uh-huh. where you can't really yeah. listen to that song and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not <laughs> affected. You know, <laughs> there's no way. Cause you just, you hear the honesty and you hear the, all right, I'm gonna go cry now. Moment. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, that's there, but then you go on and there's other things that just like, like the every ghetto, every city. I wasn't, I mean, I was raised military kid, so I rarely had 
experience in ghetto, like quote unquote ghetto, uh-huh. um, like households, whatever. But I still felt the way I could still relate to the growing up and the just being kids on the on the street, like that sort of thing. You just kind of you just relate because she brings it into a natural way where you can kind of see where she's coming from. I love that. I respect that so much. There's um there's an interview with her. Where she's like talking to some school, like a, a class of, of children, and and she's like she's leveling with them. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't sound like just this celebrity who's in there to talk mm-hmm. you know just to you know talk to talk without walking to walk and you know she she talks about growing up and you know her her parents were were she was she was in a, a pretty middle middle class family and you know when she got to a point she didn't know that that things are, are worse for a lot of other people mm-hmm. and the fact that she's able to kind of adapt that and in, in, in her music and to to really really sell that without sounding like just some celebrity coming yeah. in to like for a photo opportunity you know i i just I just I just love listening to her talk. I think I could probably listen to I, I think I listened to a couple of uh podcasts just with interviews with her yeah. and it was just it was just so enlightening to hear yeah. her. And she's also just, you know, gorgeous and her voice sounds beautiful when she's just talking. She could read a phone book and it was yeah. like, okay, well just just keep saying all the things. Lauren's beautiful. Beautiful. What she's just great. One thing I think is interesting too about this song is she got Carlos Santana to play the guitar yeah. part. And I love what he does because he doesn't he doesn't take over the song. He knows this is her song, and I mean, even if he did, she would still hold her own. But he he's subtle, but it, it works. Well, and you know, I mean, that's there's a I don't know. I don't know how to explain what I'm thinking, but there's a level of just musicianship that goes beyond. Like, I mean, I think I think there's a it's just a matter of the fact that he is he was not like a twenty something when he yeah. his, you know he's grown grown and have been in the music game for ages, and so there's that. Um, restraint that comes when you know I know who I am I'm amazing but I know that I'm also accompanying someone and making this into a a, a whole um, composition together like what we put together makes a beautiful piece of art if I co- go hard and do everything right off at of the front end then well it's all about me and so I don't think that I knew until when I pulled this up to, to listen to it and make sure I want to do this for a cover that I saw oh that's Carlos Santana Santana, Santana. Oh, <laughs> that's dope. Like I didn't know, but then I thought, well, you know, he's just he is that dope, so why not? Yeah. And, and he, I guess he must be cool with him because he did the Maria Maria thing. Yeah, uh, a few years later. Yeah, so I guess they just all rock together. That's dope. I wish. I, I was trying. To, I didn't dig too far into this because I know. I mean, this Zion was was born out of she was Rowan Marley and Wyclef, and it could have been either one of their kids. Hijo. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I mean that goes to a testament to the song and mm-hmm. the struggle itself. Mm-hmm. But I, I I like to think that she got Carlos Santana to play on it, kind of as a like stab to Wyclef because Wyclef yeah. played guitar a little bit. Yeah. And he was like I'm gonna get I'm gonna, I'm get, gonna get Carlos someone Santana. better. Way Ooh, better. You can tell I can tell Wyclef is inspired by Santana totally. So I don't know if it was. I mean I'm, I know they're cool now, but well, I, I like to think it was a little like X, like hey, who was. I got. And and too, you know, I think that's one of the things we don't we don't talk about enough is like. The all the islands, you know, that's all part of the diaspora, and so most everybody, like Carlos Santana, where's Carlos Santana from? I think he, I think California, but he's like California. Mexican. He's Mexican. Yeah, okay, I so. well, I just know, like, if you if you were Latino at all, even if you're Haitian, you still are right next door to Dominican yeah. Republic, so you know what it is. And so when you see someone who looks like your neighbor who's come up, like Carlos Santana, then then regardless of of whenever you might work together or regardless of how you might feel scorned that you didn't get to play on this track, you still know you respect that guy because oh, yeah. he looks like me. He looks like my cousin. He looks like whatever. And we made it out of 
whatever we were in into this higher echelon of celebrity. So I don't know. I think it's dope. And I think it's cool to be able to see, even if it's not exactly what you look like, because I know Wyclef is Haitian, but to be able to see yourself and someone from, you know, someone Hispanic, someone Latino, yeah. be able to move up is, I think, dope. So Yeah, definitely. I think that that's something that I don't know. I I was obviously young in the 90s to the point where I look back and I, 90s felt a lot more diverse than now <laughs> in yeah. terms of pop culture. I and mean, I talk a lot about like you have like movies like The Sandlot or mm-hmm. like Mighty Ducks and all those kids look oh, different. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> well, they did look different, but I think the difference is, at least to me, looking back on it, there was a lot. Like we were talking about the other day how Netflix has got all these shows from the WB. Remember the WB yeah. before it became the CW? Um and all these shows, there's a lot of black shows, but they were always painted as black shows yeah. and they were always targeted just to black people. They were never allowed to be um, across the board. And then, you know, like with the Mighty Ducks or with Sandlot or whatever, the black kids were were not usually the star kid. Yeah. You know, they might have a couple good lines or like I know in D2 might have, which is the best one. Knuckle Puck. Uh, that <laughs> Knuckle Puck, Russ Thompson, right? So you know like, okay, he's got a starring point, but he's still not the star of this movie. Yeah. It's all about Charlie. So those are the sorts of things where I feel like we we were there. They were had the idea. The conversation was there, but it still felt more like to placate us. Like, okay, here we give you a toy and I'll be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> not like now we're all equal. Let's do this. You know what I mean? And then I think when they decided that, okay, they're quiet, then they made the CW gentrify TV again and (laughs) left us, you know, but, but we'll, we'll be back. It's fine. (laughs) It it makes me happy because my girlfriend's from Virginia Mm. and one of her favorite shows of all time is sister, sister. Okay. Oh, fun. So like I, I told her last night, like, Hey, it's on Netflix too, right? That was one of the, I don't know if it's one of the ones they, they got, I know they got, I got Moesha. the Moesha and girlfriends, I think. Oh, which I can't wait to watch girlfriends. <laughs> Cause I never watched it as an adult. So I'm looking forward to like, what were these storylines really? About? <laughs> I'm excited. Um, but I, I love just talking to her about that. And in, in the sense that like, I mean, as a kid, like fortunately, she's a white girl. I should say that. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so she's. I mean, she didn't look at these as black shows. They were just shows to mm-hmm. her. So, I mean, when you're a kid, obviously, you don't. You miss a lot of context and, yeah. and subcontext. And I think I grew up a lot on on you know like quote unquote urban movies. Like sure. The Woods is one of my family's <gasps> favorite movies. That's a good and, movie. Um, you know, Woo and Booty Call and, and stuff like that. And 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 you know, to me, yeah, Booty Call that was a great movie. Oh yeah, that was. I think that was the first time I ever saw Jamie Foxx. Oh okay, really? Well, Living Color. I'm not saying that. Yeah, color. I was like three or four when the Living Color oh, was oh, in its fair peak. Enough. No, yeah. I was. Oh well, so I was six. Okay, I'll put it okay. there. Okay, that's fair. Let's do that. That feels better for me. But yeah, and I think that growing up in, I mean. Uh, as growing up in San Antonio, like I am a minority that lives in a city where I'm not a minority. Yeah, it's a minority majority, definitely. Yeah, so I, I've always really, I, I love kind of diving into these things. And then when I get older, especially going to college, I went to Austin where okay. I'm not a minority. I am a minority now. I'm not a majority anymore. And just being able to like talk about these things and talk about the music that I, I was into and mm-hmm. and seeing how how it really broke broke through these these different elements. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to, especially the just 90s in general, I, I, I felt like I absorbed so much from it. I feel like, it's funny, I feel like the reason why my style was diverse, like when we, when I was young, like in the early part of the 90s, all we listened to was the hip hop and R&B station. So like 90, from like 1992 up until like 95 or 96, maybe 97, like that's all I knew. And then we moved a couple of different times. We ended up in... um 
North Texas, near Wichita Falls. And the way our house was set up, my sister's room got the hip-hop and R&B station, and my room only got the alternative station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so the couple of songs that I had kind of gotten into, like when Nirvana came out, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'm here. I'm, I, I'm interested. <laughs> and Alanis Morissette came out, and I liked Jagged Little Pill. That whole album was pretty dope. Okay, I'm interested. But then that season, when we moved into that house, I couldn't get anything but that. So like Smash Mouth and like, <laughs> oh, what's that terrible band? I'm sorry. Let me not say that. Uh, <laughs> There's that one song that truly, madly, deeply. Oh, uh, Savage oh, Garden. Savage Garden. <laughs> Gosh. But like they would come on all the time. Sarah McLaughlin, like all that stuff would come on all the time. And so you start to kind of kind of vibe a little bit like, you know, uh, what's that? I don't know the name of the song, but some of them were dope, like even yeah. though they're kind of lame or whatever. And so that kind <laughs> it's of. mom rock. It, it, yeah. <laughs> but it kind of got me. And so now as, <laughs> as a grown old lady, I feel like, well, okay, but like. Walking on the sun still slaps. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care what you say. Yeah. Like, there's the All Star was a dope song before it became trendy a couple before years Shrek. ago. Yeah, before Shrek. It was dope. Whatever. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I love just thinking back. To, I like to think about like what got me into certain things. And mm -hmm. I remember like the kid that got me into Green Day, mm -hmm. that was the only rock band he listened to. He just, he, he listened to like, I remember he loved Juvenile. Oh, and I remember like I I discovered Green Day, and he was like, "Have you heard Dookie?" I'm like, "No, like what is it?" He like let me borrow his CD. It's the only non hip hop CD he had. Really? And I just love hearing like going back and forth and thinking about the different like etymology of mm -hmm. what established my music taste. I think a lot about like these. You know, I was getting into you know Run DMC because yeah. of because of Aerosmith. Okay, you know? fair enough. And then I think about Public Enemy. Public Enemy got me into Anthrax because they did a yeah. song together, and you know just the the the, the mixture of everything and, and how it, it really just felt like it felt natural. It yeah. didn't feel like, like if it didn't feel like fake, it didn't feel like disingenuous. And I think it's one of those things though, that even though you weren't, no one was thinking about it at the time, I'm sure, but it kind of prepares you for today where everything is a mix. Like yeah. I, like when I listened to this miseducation album, it was on the computer. I'd have that album playing and then NSYNC's um, no strings attached album playing at, um, fire <laughs> and so I would just back and forth like repeat 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 and so those two albums like go hand in hand to me I'll sing them like one song goes off and I'll sing a Lauren Hill song after like it's whatever but it prepared me now to be able to be like well a genre doesn't matter yeah. a, a style doesn't matter an artist what they look like does not matter because you never know what they're going to put out there you don't know it but when you start when you kind of curate a mix as a kid it ends up being something that opens you up yeah as an adult to hearing anything and enjoying everything for sure it's almost like sociological in a sense mm -hmm. i remember because i i didn't listen to a lot of contemporary music as a kid in like the early 90s mm -hmm. um, i was listening to like my dad loved like classic rock and, oh, okay and i remember everyone was really into biggie and, and yeah, yeah. puffy and, and for some reason i i I got really into Mace and I okay. can't tell you why it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't even like a, a music thing. I was like, Oh, that guy looks cool. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be, that's going to be my personality. I'm really? into Mace he's like for like, the, for like the six most months. Quiet one. <laughs> but all right. And he's the one that left becoming pastor. Yeah. Okay. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> that's wonderful. It's just so, it's so interesting to see like what you cling to, mm -hmm, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think from there, I mean, even though I haven't listened to, um, I can't, I don't think I can name a Mace song at this point in time, yeah. but um, it opened the doors to other things. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I got really into Wu-Tang in college. Okay. And it just going from that to, to different things and just it, it, I'm so like glad that I made, even if they were like 
completely baseless decisions to like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be into this. Yeah. It really opened the door to what I'm into now. I agree. And I feel like all of my music has been like a phase. Like I never stayed very long anywhere. Like I was into um, Rascal Flatts for one whole album <laughs> and I was into Incubus for like two whole albums. I loved Brandon Boyd for a long time after that let's start listening to the music but like they're just different like those sorts of things all kind of though mix into wherever we are and it's 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 funny to me like i didn't i don't i guess i always assume that everybody is kind of they have this kind of genre and they like these artists and that's that so it's cool to see like other folks who like no i i was into them for about a month about six (laughs) months and then i moved on like that's that's me that's how i am too i know i just listened um to the cardi v and uh megan the stallion song that just came out and i'm like well i don't think i'm hip-hop <laughs> i don't think i'm ready but the cool thing is there's different flavors of it like, yeah if you like, don't like I, that flavor there's still i other. like savage megan the stallion and beyonce's little remix uh-huh. like that i was here for but the the other one oh, maybe not <laughs> it's not for everybody incubus got me into the roots really because ben mckinney their current bassist mm-hmm. uh played with uh, played with the roots i didn't know that he was on um not game theory the one before that with c 2.0 uh i just remembered i i like i hear like oh this guy played with the roots i'm like mm-hmm. oh i've heard of the roots and they're, they're like a hip-hop band and mm-hmm. uh, my aunt got me uh game theory for christmas oh, okay and okay. i love that album. it's one of my favorite yeah. albums of all time and i went back and uh phrenology is the album that he oh, was okay. on and uh, c 2.0 that just it's just i mean i wouldn't even call it like just a hip-hop song it's just like it's got everything in his soul. Yeah. You can hear a little bit of, you know, a little bit of like old rock and roll in it. See, and that's one of the things, like, I don't, I don't listen to, I've never listened to The Roots outside of a couple different, I don't know if you call them singles, because I don't know if they've had like a lot of radio yeah. play, but I've never listened to a lot of their stuff. But I think I just respect the the musicality of them. I just respect them as just like the fact that they don't, they come out with hip hop, whatever, but it's not like just two dudes in a microphone and a DJ. It's like a whole band and we're not out here making tracks i mean we're not out here just you know using a loop like we have maybe there's a loop uh-huh. but there's also all of this filling in and it's a whole moment and i respect that so much about them but like i said i don't listen to a lot of the roots i feel like when the roots started getting really really big i was leaning really deeply into music or into vocal music so like uh-huh. i was into maxwell into jill scott into india re Kind of that realm of the spectrum, I think, at that time. That's my that was my neo soul and Erica Badu, of course. Yeah, it, 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 I I love. I think Chappelle's Block Party mm-hmm. got me into because I was like, oh, I like the Roots, I like the Fugees, and the Fugees are supposed to be, and as they kind of mm-hmm. show up as a surprise at the end, and uh, I think that got me into like Dead Prez and like okay. you know, and it, it, you I, deeper than me. I don't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know the names, but I didn't like, and even like Chappelle's show, I didn't watch Chappelle's show. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that was a whole like that was me, um, in my in my evangelical Christian days. I you know thought all of that was the devil, and so um, I didn't realize what an inf- what an influence he was on culture and how what how his commentary is really valid. Then and now, like in some of his Netflix specials I've watched now, uh-huh. his commentary is valid. And I wish that I had respected that more and enough to watch it then. Because I feel like I missed a whole... <laughs> I only know... Um, I'm not going to quote what I know. I know <laughs> little bits of Chappelle show, but I've never, I need to sit down and watch it, I think. Because I never did. I think that... I mean, I think it's easier now, uh, with just in hindsight, mm-hmm. to look at the legacy it has. Because at the time, it... it 
Which is funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think that's why he, quote, unquote, when he didn't really go crazy, he just, he saw that people were taking it at surface level, not really digging into what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And that's why it just didn't feel right to him. Mm -hmm. And that made me respect him 10 times more than I already did. And I think that as an artist, I mean, you can say comedy is just comedy, but no, comedy is art too. Yes, it is. And I I just love, and I I think Block Party is a testament to that too, because he brings all these different artists and um, I, I, I can't name an Erica Badu song, but I, I just, I just love watching her. She, uh, she came at DJ academics on Twitter Mm -hmm. saying he looked like Jerry from Tom and Jerry. And I've never loved her more than I did at that moment. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, I actually c- contemplated doing one of her songs from her Mama's Gun album called Orange Moon. It's really long. It's really slow. I thought it'd be kind of boring, so I decided not to go with it. But it's a, it's a dope song. I just thought it was cool. And I used to sing it all the time. When I was at my first job, I had to wash dishes. So that oh, was yeah. like one of my dishwashing songs. Um, but I let it go and decided on Lauren Hill just for something a little more upbeat, a little more yeah. interesting. But Erica Badu is one of those artists who I don't even know what plane she's on, um, but I want to ride on it too. <laughs> like I just want to be in the back, this listening and watching her. She's dope. And then learning that her mom is Miss Jackson from Outcasts, Miss well, Jackson. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. they were a couple. <laughs> yeah. and it was a whole thing. I didn't learn it till like a decade after it came out. Yeah. I just remember digging into Outcasts, and it's funny because my my brother and I last night were talking about his coworkers were talking about their top five rappers. Mm-hmm. And his his wife, my sister-in-law, was like, you know, all the five you mentioned, you haven't mentioned a single woman. I'm like, it's funny you say that because I feel like Lauren Hill belongs in that conversation. Yeah, she's dope. Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, Andre 3000, even if he's not a woman, but the Andre 3000 is so underrated. He is so underrated. And now because he's kind of leaning more into the acting thing, you don't really get like he's he's great. Yeah. Like that. I don't know if you ever watched Idlewild. Yeah. Oh. That whole movie, that whole soundtrack. Did yeah. you listen to oh, Gosh. And it's just, it's, I'm just <laughs> like, how what, How do you put these words to make this magic? I don't understand. He, the way he, like, twists bars around yes. is, like, he turns that into an instrument. Like, yes. Like, I, my favorite, probably, like, definitely top ten songs of all time is International Players Anthem. Mm-hmm. And his, I mean, intro verse, he's the first verse. And it doesn't even sound like he's rapping, but he's rapping. And it's... Just the, like... I can't now I now I can't think of a single bar but like (laughs) there's a lot of different things that he'll just like put together and I'm like okay well that was deep and let me just think on that for a minute and I just want to I just I just think he's an he's an amazing like there's a poet in there and I always respect when it's not just line 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 clever phrase line line you know what I mean but when it's like no let me just twist these around and help you make you think a little bit more not just give it to you right here, here's what I was thinking. Like, I like when you make me have to work for it. A little yeah. Bit. And it's, it's hard because like he'll say something and you're like stuck on that. And then he's already three bars later. Yes. And it's, and it was fast. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he's not like, it's a slow, yeah. like, he easy like, you, like, he you have you absorb to, it. <laughs> you have to re- repeat that guy. I, I, under 3000 is, is dope. He is like, dope. I'm still like a pip. It's Gladys Knight. I remember the first time I heard that and I put that together. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like he's and like, it makes sense. It's not, yeah. an, I it's, like, and it's hilarious. It's clever. And yeah. it, I, that's what I love about it. whenever I can find hip hop that is really clever and kind of makes me chuckle, then I feel happy about it. Like, I don't really care. Um, and I, I don't really care about what if you're rapping about party or like most of the kids now where it's all about. See, I said most of the kids now. I'm so old. <laughs> but where it's like all about sex. Like, I remember telling one of my former students, like, it's funny in the 90s, all the rap was about like murder and killing and how hard we were and how, you know, um, kind of gang life kind of thug life whatever and i think we passed that it was kind of in the 2000s it was more like about party 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 and now it's like just the other p word 
Like that's all. So I feel like that's <laughs> all it is. And I'm like, okay, but when some of y'all rappers hit 40, is there going to be more when you hit 47? Will there be more? Is there some <laughs> more depth there? And I think you have rappers like, like Andre 3000 who it's always been depth. Even if, yeah. the, even if the whole track is about booty, then he'll still make sure that his verse though has some depth to Your it. Your big hit is Rosa Parks. Yes. <laughs> you know, which is that one. But even like they're old, like, like 80, like the, um, is it ATL? Is that the album? What's the yeah. song? Is the song called that too? The me and you. Yo, mama oh, and, and your cousin too. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's just so simple, but it's just, they're just dope. I don't know. I just respect. I respect having the depth throughout yeah. your career and not just leaving it as it's all about yeah. girls and sex and whatever. I or think, guys. I don't know what you're into. <laughs> no but judgment. The, the mid-2000s, I think, is just interesting to see what hip-hop, because, I mean, hip-hop is still fairly new. I mean, yeah. you look at back to the 70s, 70s at mm-hmm. the earliest, and then hip-hop then, hip-hop in the 80s are totally different. Yeah. And in the 2000s, you have guys like Lupe Fiasco, and you've got guys like, I mean, even Kanye's earlier stuff, I mean, started wearing polo shirts, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Lupe's talking about skateboarding, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then Pharrell is on that level where he's doing everything. Pharrell's an alien. I, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I respect him, but I'm just like, I love that you know Pharrell when you hear it. Oh, like, yeah. you, don't have to, you don't have to ask a question. You just, oh, that's Pharrell. That's right. His falsetto is, mm-hmm. like, one of the best, like, uses but, like, of any voice. <laughs> even, like, his music, like, you can, you can pretty much, like, if you hear the... Like, before I knew he did Despicable Me, I knew uh, he did Despicable <laughs> Me. That has to be Pharrell. If it's not, then I don't know who's copying him. He should definitely <laughs> sue them. You know what I mean? So, no, I like him. I like, um, I don't know. I feel like the artists now, I guess just what I hear, most of the songs I hear, I don't hear a lot. So maybe that's the problem. I don't listen enough to hear when they talk about something more. Uh, but the hits yeah. are all disgusting <laughs> to me. I don't just, you know, that's just me. I'm old. I think that now is that we're at a point now where, I mean, the radio isn't the be all. Yeah, you know? it isn't. That's true. There's so much, there's so many levels to everything. And, and you see the growth in a lot of these guys. Um, You know, I, I think of like, like Tyler, the creator is somebody who started mm-hmm. rapping about, he is basically rapping as, as snuff films, basically, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he's just talking yeah. about, but it's cartoony and it's, it's mm-hmm. like a, supposed to be a joke. And then now he's like doing like R and B songs mm-hmm. and like they're, they're pop songs. And it's just, so, so so crazy to see this growth in 10 years well, and, and i laugh because my mother she was talking about the megan the stallion cardi b song and she was like you know i can't believe they put that on the radio i was like well they probably don't like i mean if they do it's highly edited but yeah. you don't need the radio anymore. yeah exactly like you can release a whole album and like beyonce put it on disney plus we yeah. watch it you know, i still haven't watched it i'm not ready uh, <laughs> like i feel like i have to have a date and a time to sit down and watch and see how i feel about you get your popcorn yeah, yeah i need a whole i need a whole moment but like you can you can put out music any kind of way and with streaming and whatever you don't have to depend on censors anymore yeah. there you can do it completely unfiltered which is what i heard what we what we see now you know yeah for sure um, I, I just think it's fun to see. I mean, like I said, hip hop's still fairly new, and mm-hmm. it's obviously taken over pop culture. And um, just to see what happens next, you know, yeah. I think that there there's so many people out there, so many artists out there who who really are are doing really interesting things and and are highly influenced. It's yeah. funny. I I listened to um, the sibling rivalry podcast with um, Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange from RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> and they one they're hilarious, but two. 
they the last episode I was listening to actually on my way here they were talking about like their influence like they're talking about hip hop and they got talking about Biggie and uh, Tupac and Mace actually <laughs> and it was just like it's funny to me like you don't think about it but these are drag queens but these are also they were young black men yeah who grew up and so you see all of this and it, it and all of that is put into the work that they do and like Monet Exchange she's a he was a, a music major I think he got or she I don't know what he goes by I'm sorry if I'm ruining his pronouns um but I believe he got his um degree in in um music education and so you have this class and he was an opera opera major for a while so you have this opera opera artist who's also a drag queen who also can rap a whole verse of no money more problems like it's just <laughs> it's crazy i love that about especially i've learned a lot just from watching interviews do you know nardwar is Mm-mm. he's this really weird guy from canada he's oh, a music yeah. journalist but he does this insane research you should youtube him he's okay. just and i love his interviews with rappers because um, he just shows how much I, I think the the stereotypical thing about people who don't listen to hip hop or rap are like oh they're just saying words over you know yeah. DJs DJing but no like a lot of a lot of guys pick their samples uh, I got into so much like old like gospel and like or not gospel but like soul music <laughs> okay. from rappers which samples. is gospel to be yeah honest. yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I, I know Tyler the Creator is talking about James Pants um, I believe his name is this jazz guy and like mm. these guys love jazz and then Tyler Creator can play piano like mm-hmm. no other rizza is amazing he just he takes these beats and he just turns things into it just it sounds like kung fu movies but he takes these different samples and i just love hearing the influence because it's mm-hmm. so much more it's so much deeper than anyone gives it credit for yeah i agree with that i agree with that and i think like i know for myself i talk a lot about the church because that's where i come from but that is an influence even on my writing even now um i went from being an inspirational or like a christian artist to kind of just being an artist who happens to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, and I think that like the EP that I'm working on right now is all about love. Cause you know, why not? And not, not only because um, I believe that God is love. And I think that that's part of it, but also because as a kid, like I was, a, am a romantic. I'm, if we're doing Enneagram, I'm a type four, like I'm emotional. Um, and I, I always wrote sappy love poems to the boys I had crushes on. Um, like I always did. They never read them, but it's cool. Um, but I always had that kind of emotion. And so when I started thinking about what's the next move I'm going to make musically, then I was like, why can't I exercise that bone in me? Why can't I use yeah. that part of my life and let that influence what this art, what comes out. And so this album is, it's called experience and it's all about love. You know, I never use the word love once because I'm weird and I like to do things like that. Um, <laughs> but it's all, it's a whole out, it's a four, it's an EP of love songs about, you know, how I've experienced love thus far because my experience with music, with with people, with whatever has all come together to make that sort of thing. I think it's dope when you see your life through your art. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that's cool. Oh, for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of, I, I Christian music is definitely a blind spot for me. Okay. I hear, I hear Christian music. I think of Lecrae, DC Talk, and <laughs> no, Amy Grant. No, sorry, oh, I'm sorry. No. I knew that was going to be no. borderline offensive. Wait, <laughs> that's just the first so thing that comes to my mind. Okay. I know. <laughs> so one, Lecrae is all right. <laughs> Two, DC Talk, stop it. <laughs> Three, Amy Grant, leave it. Okay, like it was fine, but it's 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 2020. So good. <laughs> but like there are, there are some really talented Christian artists and there are like Jonathan McReynolds is someone who you could listen to right now and, and be interested in. He's, he's, he's dope. And 
whatever. He's dope. <laughs> um, but there's there's a lot of talented artists that are out there who who just that's the realm they like to be in. The problem that I have with Christian music, I think, is that it tends to put us in this space where we can only talk about God and we can only sing about um, the things that happened in the Bible. And we kind of put ourselves in a bubble. But the whole point of Christianity is to go out into the world and talk about God to people, to share that whole thing with people. And so that means having shared experiences with people. That means I need to talk to you and talk about what you talk about. Let's talk about our shoes. Let's talk about our hair. Let's talk about our kids, our wives, our whatever. And I feel like for me doing that genre, I'm stuck and creatively, yeah. it's hard to say the same thing over and over again as much as, <laughs> and you know, they, they'll guilt you like, well, if you love God, you can sing about him forever. Okay. Yeah, I can, but I only have a finite amount of words in me and I can't say the same thing about the same dude over and over again. But if I can talk about how my life was influenced by this dude or how I'm having a great day and I'm thankful to this dude, that's something different. And I would love to be able to operate in that realm. So that's kind of why I've shifted gears. Um, it's not to say that Christian music doesn't have, um, What's the word? There's not like different ideas. There's no there's no originality in Christian music. I don't think that at all. There's some beautiful things done. But I just think that for myself, I felt stifled um, in in one genre. And I think that anybody who is an artist and who is also a Christian who wants to perform, I would say to them, don't be afraid to explore whatever your giftings are. I've always been a poet. Why wouldn't I explore singable poems about love and about things like that when that's something that's been in me forever and if I believe that God put it in me why wouldn't I yeah express it and I could say the same thing if if you're into basketball play that then don't make it like well I got to be a pastor because I'm a Christian that's that's not that's not what Christianity is and I think that so many folks get that misnomer that we're supposed to just be holy holy but it's not it's not that it's just you're supposed to just live you know what I'm saying and so I will say though for for Honestly, listen to Fred Hammond, Purpose by Design. That's a dope album. Listen to Jonathan Reynolds. Anything he has is great. Listen to um, um, Elevation Worship. They're pretty cool. Like there are, there are good, there is good music out there right now. Don't leave it to Lecrae <laughs> and Amy. I guess just in this, just in this stereotype of, of Christian music is what comes to mind. I don't know there, there are others, you know. Yes, I, there's, a, there's a lot. And I will say like DC Talk for the record though. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me not hate too hard because <laughs> when I was a kid, like their little Jesus Freak album, I was into it. I'm not going to front. Like I was down with the DC Talk, d- d- down with the DC Talk. That's a real thing. So <laughs> whatever, it is what it is. Well, I think that uh, just to kind of bring it back to, to Lauren Hill, I mean, mm-hmm. she obviously talks a lot about her faith and she's never been considered like a Christian artist. Yeah. But I think the thing I've always appreciated about her is the fact that, you know, she takes this from her own personal background, but she also elevates it to a level to where it's it's it's, it's universal. Exactly. And I think that I remember one time when we listened to her Unplugged album, there's a there's a lot more of religious overtones in her Unplugged album. And I remember saying, I think she went Christian. My friend was like, well, why do you think she's Christian? She doesn't talk about God. I'm like, but she's alluding to God. It's clear this is scripture and it's clear that she wants it to be or something. It's, it's some, it's definitely spiritual. Yeah. And they were, and they kind of were just, eh, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, well, don't, don't hate on someone's experience because it doesn't match yours, yeah. you know? And I think with hers, you see, I love that you see her. Like she yeah. is the a great example of just naked vulnerable artists. Like I'm just putting it out here. This is how I feel. I'm gonna cry through this track, and now I'm gonna play on this track, and now I'm gonna sing. You know what I mean? And you just get all of that. I feel like, 
I think every artist could benefit from that level of vulnerability because then you get truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, that's what I, that's what I want. That's what I expect the most. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so do you have any final thoughts about uh, T Zion, about Lauren Hill? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think one, I hope, I hope y'all like it. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> if you don't. Um, but I think too, like it's, it's one of those songs where for me, like it speaks because I can, I, I always thought it always paralleled my life. And I think as a, when I decided to quit teaching and pursue music full time, then it really kind of was like, dang, this is me. Cause everybody was like, okay, but <laughs> you're making money and now you're going to go to making no money <laughs> because nobody knows who you are. People still don't know who I am and that's fine. But, um, I know that it was a much more fulfilling path to leave behind the kids I loved and to go do a new thing. And I think that that, um, that idea is something I think that everybody should, should kind of aspire to. Like I say prayerfully because I believe that prayer is important. Um, but, before you know don't take a leap of faith without like consulting peers but then ultimately like make a decision that's the best for your life and take the leap of faith knowing that if it doesn't work out you can just try again like it's okay to start over it's okay to mess up it's okay to have been wrong let's normalize being wrong you know (laughs) like and if you if she had decided to have this baby and he ended up being i don't know if he ended up being sick or he ended up you know being stillborn or something god forbid it still would have been the right decision for her to have have made that leap of faith. And I think the same thing can be true for anybody in any, especially like for myself in my career field, even though I left my job and I'm still not famous, I'm not Beyonce. Um, <laughs> I am <Yet>. not, <laughs> Hey, amen. I'm not that yet. But what I am is an honest artist who has grown in her, in her craft, who has developed a new skill set. I'm not great at guitar, but I've learned it. Um, and I, and I have been able to kind of, develop as just as an adult because i can see what life looks like when you have a whole lot and when you don't have anything yeah i can see what life looks like when folks respect you a whole lot and when they don't respect you at all like i can see that now from that leap of faith so i'm happy to have made that leap and i do it again in a heartbeat and i think that it's important that folks take the opportunities when they have them to do those sorts of things because that's where you learn that's where that's where it all comes from just actually putting yourself out there is where you actually learn definitely well, awesome. Hey, um, this is this is a lot of fun. This is fun. I'm excited. Thank yeah. you for having me, okay, by the yeah, way. Like, sure. again, thank you so much for letting me do this. This is dope. Do you have anything to plug right now? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. So, <laughs> so, one, you can find my music on anywhere music is sold digitally. My name is Deborah Elena, D-E-B-R-A-E-L-A-N-A. You can find me on Instagram, D-E-B-R-A underscore E-L-A-N-A. And um, I have... My latest album is called Everyday Voyage to Venus, and it is on Spotify right now. It's a purple one. And then you can also find, um, hopefully in October, we should be releasing my new EP called Experience, which is the uh, EP of love songs where I just kind of share my experience with love thus far. I'm a single woman, but there is love in my life, and so I want to talk about that. So that's what that's what's coming up for me. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, coming up next, we've got Deborah Elena covering Two Zion by Lauren Hill. Tell 
For under me a man-child would be born Oh, this crazy circumstance I knew his life deserved a chance But everybody told me to be smart Look at your career, they said Lauren, baby, use your head But instead I chose to use my heart Now the joy Choosing